Hi, and welcome to another episode of <laughs> Bullet Points, the podcast all about shooting games. I'm the host, Ed Smith. <laughs> and oh, we're all in a good mood today because although everything in the world is turning into fire and lightning, we are here to talk about shooting games as we do every couple of weeks. My co-host is Reed McCarter. Yeah, that's me. My other co-host is Patrick Lindsay. I'm trying to come up with a witty thing to say that has to do with what you just made us do, and I can't do it, so I'm just going to say hi. Hi, hi, how's it going? Hi. It's, it's uh, fine. And we're joined this week by a very special guest. I didn't ask how you'd like to be introduced, as in uh, how you'd like to be credited, so I'm going to let you credit yourself. Michelle Earhart? Yes, that is how you uh, pronounce it. Um, hi, I'm Michelle Earhart. Uh You've probably heard of me from uh, Kill Screen, um, <laughs> and I was on Bullet Point's last podcast about uh, 2016's shooter games overall. That's right. Yeah, you were on the episode. Yeah, I, I wasn't on that episode. Yeah, uh, we know. You were delivering presents. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, exactly. I was out. Um, no, I was stealing presents like the Grinch. Um, stealing everyone's copies of No Man's Sky from under the tree and burning them ritualistically. That's very on-brand um, for you. Yeah, yeah, well, I thought I'd do everyone a favor, you know. So this week we are talking about Titanfall 2 from, uh, are they called Respawn Games or Respawn Entertainment? Respawn, Respawn Entertainment. Entertainment. Yeah, okay, so this game came out last year. Uh, it's a shooter where you play as a soldier in space, so that's novel. Uh, your name is Jack Cooper. You're accompanied throughout the campaign mode by a huge robot called BT, uh, which, although the game is only very explicit, uh, sorry, implicitly homoerotic, there are lots of options where you can get inside BT. Uh, and the game kind of plays as a kind of buddy relationship between you and this robot. That's a terrible summary of the game. I'll throw first to Michelle, who has a lot to say about it to uh, shore up my wait, awful introduction. Wait, what, though. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before, before you throw it over, let's can we double back? Because you can't just say that the game has an implicit homoerotic fucking subtext and then not explain <laughs> well, what it does. Like, I, see, I've what, read no, it as a like a boy and, a and his dog kind of thing, not as like a man and yeah. his lover. I don't know. I think there's a there's a tenderness a between the two. Boy and his bear, if you will. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, the way the way he goes from calling him pilot to Cooper to Jack, there's like a there's an affection there at least. It's probably not sexual. You know, the 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 fact that you can climb in and out of him isn't. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's eleven thirty at it's night. I like right? when Ed I'm, is here. I, oh, I missed out last time. I I'm, no, I'm just this is... I'm trying to just like I'm just trying to sex things up a little bit, you know. <laughs> You can ride a horse. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, in a. Oh my God, Reed! Please don't. Okay, no. Now you're taking it down a much darker alley. I was, I was, (laughs) I was just trying to be kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Disgusting. And yeah, uh, that's. Okay, yeah, all right. I, I, I will, I will row back to the boathouse on that one. The game, the game does not have a homoerotic <laughs> undertone um, but it is it is in a sense a love story of a maybe a, uh, maybe a platonic love I will fight you on that yeah that's fine. yeah okay. no that that works okay it's a platonic love story between this huge robot and his uh, his op- pet human operator yeah yeah, yeah. His, his pet human whose name Jack and the robot is called BT and you're fighting some 
very vaguely defined intergalactic war over resources. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I don't think what... we ever actually are told why they're fighting. I, no, I think. Well, that's something oh, that we are. To... Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Oh right, Michelle knows like, what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's that long thing where the guy explains the whole evil plan. Yeah, I don't. I that's that easily well. like the biggest misstep in the game, like in my opinion, at least. Well, okay, let's let's get into that then. First of all, and we'll go to Michelle. You're a guest. You you get first dibs. Um, talk about what you liked about the game and what is your central problem with it. Alright, so what I like about Titanfall 2 essentially is, and this is something I like a lot about uh, a lot of 2016 shooters overall, but I think what Titanfall 2 does uh, very intelligently is that it sort of takes the rhythm of a Call of Duty campaign and then of course it refines it through like years of experience and budget and like new ways of making games etc but i think what it does with the plot and the characters is uh surprisingly humble for a game like this because uh when i think of like the modern call of duty games at least i think that they sort of try a very hollywood style narrative of like big exciting actiony premises like russia invades the united states or whatever um and titanfall 2 does have that to a degree but like we all just said we were having difficulty remembering the details of the plot and that's because the plot isn't the main focus of the game instead it's this love story that gareth was sort of talking about and I think it's sort of wise for the game to put off the pressures of trying to be this sort of um, big, showy, action-y story and instead be a smaller, more personal story uh, about like a camaraderie that uh, sort of erupts in battle between two people who are strangers. And this takes place within a very action-y environment but instead of focusing the player's attention on sort of a movie-style plot, instead puts their attention on the characters they control throughout the game, which I think is especially wise for a game because what you're doing most of the time during the game isn't watching cutscenes, but is instead spending time with these characters. So I feel it's a game that very much has its priorities in order, um, and that is very... Uh, proud of its medium in that way. Did you did you refer to me as mm. Gareth accidentally, or is there an article that Gareth has written uh, I, on this topic? I so I accidentally refer to all Englishmen as the same hive mind. <laughs> I apologize, Ed Smith, whose name does rhyme with Gareth. To in my defense, Ed Smith, Gareth. Yeah, well, kind of rhyme, half oh, rhyme. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you can I've use also that never seen Ed and Gareth in the same room together. And so of course, we're, we're all from the same family, the royal family. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it, we're much of a muchness. Um, Reed, you you <laughs> you seceded to Canada and uh, <laughs> abandoned the the royals uh, as a despicable traitor to the crown. What do you think of Type Two, and what do you think of Michelle's? Uh, argument there about it being a game less about the overarching big story and more about the intricacies of uh, these two characters. I, I think that's a really really good point. Um, the way that uh, Michelle sees it is kind of just ignoring what it doesn't necessarily need. That's or or that isn't going to uh, 
to benefit in some way, recognizing what a shooter can be, and if you're going to have these two characters spending the whole game together, then maybe that's the point of it. Um, I have sort of complicated feelings about this game. I'm not sort of on board with it as, as much as uh, I think a lot of people, and I think probably of everyone here, I like it maybe the least. Um, but that's not to say I don't like it. Uh, I just find some of, some of that stuff about, I think when you have a game, and this is sort of a big point to make, but uh, so I won't try to explain all of it now, but I think when you have a game that is in whatever form about killing a lot of, of people, robots, whatever, um, you can't kind of just brush the plot into in, to the side and say it's about these these two characters. I mean, that's sort of what I was writing about with the uh, the article I did on the game for Bullet Points Monthly um, was how I think that the game almost centers in on on BT and Cooper to sort of the detriment of their relationship is seen as somehow unique and special uh, and and removed from everything else uh, which I don't expect everyone to be as bothered by as bothered by I'm not like bothered by this game I just keeps you up at night yeah. <laughs> I, I spend a lot of nights just thinking about Titanfall 2 um, I, I don't know I, I don't hate this game I don't love this game I just kind of feel neutral on it um, but yeah I, I think Michelle makes a really good point that is I think what a lot of people latch on to a lot with, with Titanfall 2 that for me doesn't work quite as well but I don't know if that's just sort of my priorities are, are different for for what I want and that I'm a terrible critic and I'm not appreciating the game for what it actually is Patrick what I do you think, think? yeah Reed if it makes you feel any better I feel very very similarly to you like eerily similarly to you about this game um, I don't dislike it I actually think it's a hell of a lot of fun to play um, mm -hmm. I also think that they're decision to focus on character rather than plot was a wise one because if you play Call of Duty or Battlefield or that's pretty much it actually um, the, their, their plots are usually very grand and convoluted and utterly ridiculous um, mm -hmm. and, and they kind if, of blend together and... yeah exactly um, it's hard to keep your mind focused on them in like the middle of a fight where it's like you know who BT yeah. is and you can be like alright mm -hmm. I want to get back to BT he's my friend mm -hmm. and like I'm, the, the, I think the, the most significant or relatable character in modern warfare is Captain Price's mustache for example like, <laughs> um, which is fine that game's not trying to make you connect with the characters at least I hope it's not because it doesn't do that um, I think that Titanfall 2 doing that is a a good thing. Um, I really like Michelle, your like boy and his dog analogy. The issue I have is that normally the boy and his dog aren't murdering dozens of people. Mm. Um, and I don't think it's bad. I just think that there's a weird sort of like discord or disconnect there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because the relationship is very heartwarming. Um, and the, the development that you get to see is very charming, but in between all of that, or sometimes in the midst of it, you're like shooting people in the face or you're, you know, punching them in the throat or whatever. Um, and I don't think that that kind of violence is bad. It's a game about an intergalactic war. I just think that the juxtaposition is bizarre for me. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of a... Oh, sorry. Which is Well, it's just odd because they also take lengths to 
humanize the enemy as much as possible. Like the uh, quote boss enemies that you fight are other pilots in their other titans, and they all have voices and distinct looks and names. Um, and even like the grunt characters who aren't robots who you fight, some of them are have names and voices. Yeah, A some good of them deal are robots. Of them are. Yeah, no, but I mean like the ones who are not robots. Okay. Um, they they take they take care to give them faces and voices and dialogue that makes sense. Um, and then you turn around and you murder them, which no- it's I'm not complaining. It's just normally a, a trick that you do if you're trying to make the player feel weird or uncomfortable about what they're doing. Um, like in the game, like Spec Ops, you see a lot of that. Um, so I think my one like main feeling about Titanfall 2 is confused. My main feeling is that everything Titanfall 2 is trying to do, or um, basically everything that Patrick's just described that you might want from this game that it, it doesn't pull off. Binary Domain managed. Binary Domain is a game that we've covered on this show before, and in that game you have these great... Um, not exactly plausible, but you know, these, these fascinating melodramatic and, and comic and sometimes quite heartfelt relationships between the characters. And you also have a relatively engaging overarching plot. I don't think I could recite it for you now, but certainly when I was playing the game, I was interested to see where it was going to go. And at the same time as the game honing in on the people and wanting you to be interested more in their interactions, Although you are shooting and shooting and shooting, it takes great care to make sure you never ever kill a person in that game. Every single enemy, and I mean every single enemy, not even in a cutscene, not in any, not in any point in that game, uh, is a human being killed by another human being. The one person that does die kills himself. So it kind of gets rid of read what you were talking about, which is this slightly uh, discomforting moral spectrum, whereby Titanfall 2 seems to imply that killing is perfectly fine as long as the characters are likable and you know uh, uh, amiable um, so I, I when I was playing it I couldn't help but keep thinking of binary domain not not just because of the presence in both games of you know robots but um, because of these sort of moral lines that both games are trying to walk and, and Titanfall 2 is, is kind of stumbling on uh, Reed I mean you said that you, you feel like you like the game the least out of perhaps everybody on the show. I enjoyed it when I was playing it, and I I didn't struggle to to write about it. But I've not thought about it since. I've not I've not really been enthused uh, by it in any prolonged way. It's not a game that I think I would rush to replay. It's not something that I would um, maybe refer to in later articles. For example, I don't think it's a, a watermark of any kind. I will slightly disagree with you there, Ed, because thematic confusion aside, with to me this game doesn't cr- like mechanically from a game design perspective, this game is fucking clockwork. Um, it gives you a not large but a slightly expanded sort of set of core actions and skills that you can make use of, and then it makes all of them are very straightforward and very simple to pull off and it makes it very easy and very the, the level design itself is very conducive to stringing these sort of almost like combos mm-hmm. together um, it's oh my god when it works it's wonderful to play um, especially there's a there's a bit in the middle where you get a special little glove that lets you go back in time with the push of a button and you can actually do combos that involve like jumping off of walls traveling back in time shooting people flipping back to the future, huh? um, 
like in mid wall run to finish like a traversal sequence and then you land and fight more people and when it works it is amazing what i really like That's about that glove part um it, you can use it at the beginning when you get it just to sort of like escape danger because you always have this safe space or safe zone mm -hmm. it's a loaded term now unfortunately you always have this safe zone that you can refer you can return to at any point with the push of a button because there's usually when you first get the glove only one uh, timeline that's in danger but later towards mm -hmm. the middle and end of the level you get you'll get into these situations where both the past and the present are presenting a threat to you and when you press the button you basically are picking your poison about which you, one mm -hmm. you want to deal with how and mm -hmm. like you can combine them together you can like you can't do this because of the way the level sometimes gates you off to points where you have to time travel, but there's some times in that level where you can either just choose to take an entire counter like in the past and entirely miss the present encounter, or you can do it with the reverse and do the entire present encounter and miss the past like enemy encounter, or you can mix them up to a degree, and there's such a great amount of player expression and like... Uh, lateral thinking that's available there that I think this game does a lot of clever things that we haven't really seen since like Half-Life maybe well, that's I, a loaded game I really enjoyed the sequence aboard the, the moving ships where you were going between the moving ships and you know there's a fantastic sense of momentum and what's going to happen next you know they, they kind of strung, oh, yeah. strung, strung mm. together lots of small little uh, moments and vignettes and kind of notable pieces of spectacle in that level and I enjoyed that a lot and, and Patrick you are absolutely right I mean um, Titanfall 2 is well oiled you know it, it, I, I mm -hmm. don't remember an occasion where I felt like I was up against something that was um, obfuscated I didn't feel like I didn't know what to do you know with my fingers it wasn't kind of a, uh, a fussy game in any sense and yeah it does it, it runs very very mechanically I wonder though if Personally, that's why I uh, find it quite easy to forget because it is so immaculate. Uh, which it's is almost like watching a movie. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's a, it's in credit to the people who made it, uh, who have you know cut their teeth on the the formative, well, yeah, the formative Call of Duty games, um, and clearly know their trade very very well. But it's it's like such a polished diamond that I just I don't know I, I can't really feel much for it. it it's it's like a kind of iPad iPhone it's just it's so functional and smooth corners and sleek that I just kind of regard it I not unlike the way I regarded the BT character I think there is a gone official yeah sorry I, sorry. I think there is like something to that point and the analogy I guess I want to draw here is Overwatch because I mm love overwatch i very very much was into it when it first came out i'm still into it i would still call it my like game of the year for 2016 don't get me wrong but as like time has come or as time has gone on since overwatch's release and since like the last time we spoke it's it's like one of the blizzard always does these incredibly polished games and at a certain point i guess i just got a little tired of it i've been taking a break from overwatch for like the past a uh, couple of months and instead I've been spending a lot of my time playing this uh, I mean it's not an obscure release but you know it's like a licensed title I've been playing this uh, game called Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 which is like you know it's this jank anime based uh, fighting RPG hybrid game with terrible netcode that crashes all the time but in like 
to a degree, mm-hmm. that jankness makes it endearing in a way. Yeah, you need, you some... need some uh, flaws and imperfections. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, there there are things about. I I have a hard time. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting question when I hadn't thought of it that way. When when uh, Ed and what Michelle is saying too about something like an Overwatch with a, a game that just feels um, so so perfected kind of like like it's uh no no detail has gone uh unnoticed and it's been you know tested to death and and uh, you know, every every sharp corner is rounded down if because mm. I'm, I'm trying to think about you know a filmmaker or something uh or somebody who who has that level of craft or or a writer um and it sh- i don't know if it should be a detriment um and maybe the detriment is if you if if you're excelling so much at 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 the uh sort of just pure tradesman like quality of 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 what you're doing of your expression then maybe you need to focus on things that make people remember um <clears throat> ideas that are imparted things that uh things that linger in the mind well, the uh, reason, otherwise the you're reason... maybe just making we all want to win. I don't want to. I have a, th- I have a theory. Um, this is this is a little little bit of a tangent, but bear with me. I'm kind of working this out as I say it, so be prepared. So Overwatch is designed to be specifically a competitive endeavor. It is a game that you play with other people against other people. Um, so it needs to have this fancy, you know, eight-cylinder engine that is oiled to perfection and all the gears fit exactly into place and you don't really have to worry about any of that because the whole point of the game is not overcoming the game, it's overcoming the other people in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, in a game like Titanfall 2, where at least in the campaign, which is what we're talking about primarily, that that part of the equation is gone. Um, when everything kind of, all, when all the gears fit into place like that and nothing slips, it's like you're in a car that's on autopilot and you don't really have to do anything but at the same time you also don't get to do anything i mean i think that's a wise way to put it i think that's probably why you know everything i just said about overwatch i still adore it because like like patrick said it kind of needs to have that level of polish so that all the variables are taken away and it can be like a sort of pure test of skill but i also think of like a little bit of what ed was talking about I have this thing with games where, like, I enjoy games that challenge their players, and this can happen, like, uh, either thematically or even just, like, in the act of playing the game. I think there's, like, a sense of, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, challenge that you can brush up against even there um, that can spark some thought in you. Um, And, uh, like, Overwatch is very much, like, it is a people pleaser. It is the golden retriever. Mm -hmm of video games <laughs> um whereas like something like the last guardian where you have this actual golden retriever that you have to like herd around and try to get to work for you Do- like it doesn't want to listen to you all the it time. can frustrate you and it can like put you in this mindset <laughs> that maybe uh another medium would have difficulty doing um and i think that's sort of like part of the it's difficult when a game is specifically made to like please someone entirely. I think for it to then have I mean, were, uh, uh, much message behind it. The people who made Titanfall I don't know. in the film world, 
and if I kind of say names like John Glenn, Roger sure. Scottiswood, Michael Apted, Martin Campbell, Louis Gilbert, they don't mean many things to many people, right? But the the that's well, these are the people who directed the Bond movies, right? Yeah, Alternately, that's, that's going over my head. Uh, they've they've all done one or more Bond films, right? Oh yeah, and Sam Mendes. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, don't That's you mean Sam Mendes? So I I find that they're uh, <laughs> an interesting comparison because um, like John Glenn, for example, who did The Living Daylights and License to Kill. You know, you watch those movies and you can't really see much of you know the John Glenn style. Like a John Glenn Bond film has certain elements, but it's not dissimilar to a Martin Campbell Bond film who did Goldeneye and Casino Royale, um, which you know have certainly to I think most viewers. Uh, large similarities to Tomorrow Never Dies by Roger Spicewood. The point being that Titanfall 2 feels to me like mm. the, the style, if you can call it that, is to be invisible. You know, the, 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 the director and the sort of hand that's crafting this thing, you, you are really not meant to notice that is there. And that's fine when you're creating the kind of thing that Patrick was describing, a, a, a competitive shooter where it needs to run like clockwork, but in a game that's supposed to have a certain amount of heart and be, uh, you know, about the the relationship between two characters and focus very, very centrally on the relationship between these two characters, I feel like it's lacking a certain uh, personification and presence. Um, it's uh, if you know the the relationship between BT and Jack Cooper feels to me. Pretty much like everything else in Time Four Two, i.e., clockwork, i.e., as I expected it to happen. It, it doesn't surprise me in any way. Yes, I know that BT was going to not in a kind of a smug. Oh, I saw that coming. Way, but you can you know that BT is going to die at the end. You know that they're going to have a moment where they soften e to each other. You know that when they first meet, they're not going to get on properly. And it it's like they've applied the the same disciplines that you'd apply to like a. a the, the, the shooting mechanics and the running mechanics and the time travel and the refining, refining, refining have also been applied to the relationship between these two characters and that's why I find it kind of difficult to spy. So the, yeah, the question I have about that, Ed, is is it a form of mastery to take a boiler plate I think it's a form of mastery to and produce it perfectly uh, the invisible director to be like the, the people I mentioned in Bond uh, but I wonder whether right. the response to this game and whether uh, the way this game is made is responding to that uh, I don't know whether the game wants you to think that it's directed invisibly I think the Titanfall 2 is quite eager for you to buy into um, the sort of heartfeltness of his characters. The thing, the thing is, though, it's a paradox to me because I well, agree with it. everything that, that you're is, saying. That is the contradiction. The game, it does have a lot of heart. I, I, I think, honestly, and I wrote I, it in the article. For example, when you you emerge from a a big fight and there's BT and he's this you know comforting presence, and I, I felt it as well. So yeah, the, I mean, this is all head, but in the heart, there's a there's contradictions here. Sorry, Michelle, I talked over you. No, it's fine. Um, gosh, what was I going to say? Um, 
what no uh, you were talking about like the bond films and invisible directors though and I, when i was playing and maybe this is just because of like my history of playing games and someone who plays them a bit more uh infrequently mm-hmm. or like dare i say casually maybe wouldn't <laughs> whoa wouldn't ha- i'm kidding i'm kidding it's a joke uh, <laughs> uh, Maybe wouldn't necessarily have this, but like when I was playing through Titanfall 2, I didn't necessarily feel that like the directing was all that Mm. invisible because I was very clearly going, oh, this is the Call of Duty guys. This is very clearly the same rhythms that you would get in a Call of Duty campaign and like not just a Call of Duty campaign, but like one of the better ones and one of the more refined ones. And there are like a lot of very smart, uh, very thoughtful critics I know who still Mm -hmm. like enjoy the call of duty campaigns like as a, oh, I, as enjoy, a guilty I enjoy pleasure, them as a, i enjoy oh, I the original modern warfare is fantastic i, I agree too was, was fantastic i think that like yeah, there's I'm, I'm like right a, there a specific voice to like the way they pace their campaigns and the tasks they have you do um that i haven't really seen in a game in a while because this is the first campaign mm-hmm. they've made mm-hmm. uh, if I'm correct since Modern Warfare 2 and playing this I'm like this is exactly that same feeling uh, but mm-hmm. modernized and like with a bunch of influence on like motion and uh, mm-hmm. mastery and sort of like puzzle mechanics that um, mm-hmm. that I think sort of elevate it to a new level to me and I know that sounds very like sort of piecemeal like sound eight out of ten graphics nine <laughs> out of ten but i i, I think it's true that, no, that's no, almost how i'm used to thinking about these kind of games one or two they could tell that they were by the same people um i also think however that one of the if you can call infinity wards uh or now respawn there if you can turn their approach i feel like what they've done is recognize I'm going to fucking struggle to explain this. Recognize how an action movie directed by somebody whose name you don't need to know because he or she is barely there. They recognize how that movie looks and feels and replicated that in a game. So their style is to so expertly emulate the invisible director. And we recognize it because they're the ones who do it the best, but they are still kind of striving towards... Mm -hmm. And invisibility, but Patrick, this is contradicted, as you said, by actually playing Titanfall 2. When you you do find that it tugs on your heartstrings every now and then. Well, one thing I would say too about the feel, and uh, I think Michelle was saying this too, or or maybe everyone has at this point, but you you can tell that this is. Mm. Uh, you know the the legacy of Infinity Ward designers, um, in, in the way sort of uh, not not even just in the the big scale, the pace of the campaign itself, but you can tell uh, you fire an assault rifle in Titanfall mm-hmm. Two, and you can tell it's it's either obsessively detailed or, or modeled after something that happened in Call of Duty, or it's similar people uh, and the same people working on it. Um, oh yeah. And Are we allowed to say the word gun feel? Is that a thing we can say? <laughs> Only if we can well, say Well, it's already been said. Later yeah. too. Gun feel with a hyphen. Yeah, it's, you, can't, you can't walk that one back. Um, 
<laughs> Patrick, how about you can say Gunfield, but you have to bleep it when you edit these. All right, that's fine. That's fine. I can do that. Every... <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is, so it's I, I, I think there is something distinctive even beyond uh, anything about the writing or the pacing of... Uh, which which is part of the the writing and the sort of design of of how the levels flow together in the campaign. There's something very basic that you can tell that these people who made Modern Warfare, who made Call of Duty two mm-hmm. and one, um, yeah. made made this game the way that enemies. Uh, you sort of we've talked about this in the episode about Modern Warfare, but that these guns are very deadly. That these enemies are almost like real people. That you know, aside from robots, they you kind of wing them and they go mm-hmm. down. Um, it, it's it feels sort of deadly, and uh, to me that's distinctive. And to me, that's sort of at odds with the fact that they also seem to have wanted to make this sort of uh, kind mm. of lethal weapon, mm. sort of feel good buddy cop action movie. So, and it also has the mm-hmm. pace though of this hard nosed uh, Tom Clancy political thriller where soldiers are dying. You know, so when I think of um, like the difference, the respawn difference, put that on the back of the box. But no, when I think of like what marks these people as a as a director, where you can go, aha, that's this thing I've seen this before elsewhere. Like you were talking about, Reed, um, (laughs) is I think that there's a lot of uh, effort in the little intricacies and details of character animation that other studios might take for granted um it's like when i compare titanfall 2 to um infinite warfare i think is the name for the new call of duty in space uh the way that i look at like infinite warfare is it kind of looks like a slower sort of more methodical kind of less polished version of Titanfall 2 and that's because like when you look at Titanfall 2 and you look at the character animations of like a uh, soldier moving from one area to the other when they run there's like weight to it and there's like flourishes in the way their arms and legs move whereas if you look at it in uh, Infinite Warfare it's just sort of like a body moving from like one from point A to point B in about the most standard boring way possible so like one of them yes it gets the job done but the other one takes the chance and this is something you should do in animation to to put in character and like weight where otherwise um, it couldn't have been before I guess it, it gives the game an extra little voice to it that another shooter in the same style might be lacking and I'm wondering if that partially increases to the, I guess, the heart of the thing. Because you look at these <coughs> characters moving around and you're like, there's well, that, personality just like in the way they move their arms. Something, I mean, Reed, I think this is what you were trying to trying to get at is, Michelle, you're right. You know, they, they do have these great animations and they do look like uh, as close as possible. Well, not as close as possible, but, you know, quote, real people. Um, perhaps above and beyond a lot of first person shooters even of today. But read, I mean, as you were saying, it kind of creates a conflict in you, uh, and I imagine a lot of players, when you're meant to be this kind of, yeah, Riggs and Murtar buddy cop duo, but you're killing these people en masse who, as Michelle, as you've pointed out, look quite plausible. Uh, 
so it's it's like there's a kind of war here between the sensibilities that created the modern warfare games which were meant to be slightly sort of down and dirty and a little bit rugged and you know we're the SAS and we're doing bad things and it's quite violent uh, and trying to do a kind of slightly cleaner um, not exactly Pixar but you know uh, a, a more kind of family friendly buddy story yeah well I mean and again that's something I I was trying to get at in, in the article I wrote too is that tension um, be between the between the sort of popcorn flick buddy comedy don't think about the violence so much which I'm not saying is, is an approach you can't take you definitely can have uh, you know Roger Moore Bond shoot 50 people in the scene and not really think about it and that's fine um, unless we want to have a big discussion about whether or not that's fine um, but but I think if you have these the the rhythms of these kind of games uh, that are, I think are very much they're designed for war games and this is a war game but it also mm -hmm. doesn't want to be a war game. Mm -hmm. It's maybe I I agree with you very emphatically. Maybe that's where that's coming from. It's you know um, you can tell it was it was comedy. weird to me because like there's a scene where BT throws you across a chasm. Um, for the first time, it happens a couple times, but the first time he does it, there's this there's this dialogue that happens beforehand where he's like, "I'm gonna throw you," and you're like, "You're gonna what?" And mm -hmm. he's like, "I'm gonna throw you," and you're like, "All right, I don't know about this, but okay." Um, and he gives you a thumb, like a little robot thumbs up, and it's adorable and it's cute. He throws you, and it's like, "Haha, look at that! He threw him. It's funny." But then when you go back to, or for me, what happened when I was on my way back to reunite with BT? I was wall running my way across a bunch of slabs, which is a sentence I just said, and uh, like this body just went flying by me because BT had thrown a person, like but like not in the good way. <laughs> and then I got closer, and like he stomps on a person, and they just like explode into a red mist. And it's there's this weird sort of like sinisterness to BT that I don't know that they intended, because on the one hand he's your your good friend who dies for you twice um, and gives you thumbs up before he chucks you across a cavern but then he's also like an incredibly efficient killing machine that I think gets glossed over a lot yeah by the way just like yeah. as a side note I hate that he dies for you twice at the end there I think that like the first mm -hmm. self-sacrifice kind of reduces the impact of the second one I, I agree yeah yes. they, they've established that his death is not really super impactful because they can just drop his brain into another body right um but anyway go on go on no that's pretty much it for me um just it's like i i think it would be cool if there was this intended sort of subtle undertone that bt is this sort of like barely content like a nuclear bomb on a leash kind of thing mm. um which yeah. i picked up on that one if that was me reading into it or if that was intended so like well it's oh, hard oh sorry uh, I was just gonna say it's hard. It's hard not to see it when you have. I mean, this is something I, you know, or would like to get into more at some point too. But if you have a killer robot in something and you try to make it uh, human, or or you, you try to you try to write it so that mm -hmm. you care about this thing, it's still a machine that is designed to the things that make BT endearing. How he or it, you know, call him he. Uh, 
gives a thumbs up or says things like, you know, Cooper, you have a 97% chance of something, and then you both laugh because he's a machine, he doesn't understand expressions and blah blah blah. Um, the the tension with that is you're laughing because it's a machine trying to be human, mm-hmm. but then they there's a vein there that you can get into of what the point is of a machine designed to kill and think purely in cold logic uh, is. Not, not only like is the... he a robot, he is, he is a robot weapon. Like, he was built yeah. specifically to be a weapon. I think the obvious, yeah. like, comparison here is probably, I mean, maybe it's a little bit hackneyed, but it's probably the Iron Giant. And the funny thing about the Iron Giant is, like, the whole movie is, like, yes, he's a gun, but the whole point is about, like, subverting it. And like making mm-hmm. it so that he doesn't have to be what he was made to be, I guess. Like the the big line in that movie is, "You are not a gun." Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, it is. That's such a great. It's line. It's such a great line. I I kind of want to say it to like soldiers <laughs> who have PTSD and come home. But um, anyway, um, but anyway, the the chief line in that movie is, "You are not a gun." BT is very much an unrepentant gun. Yeah, he, he doesn't have moral quandaries about his murder. Yeah. At the same time, though, and, like, this is... All right. So I've been, like, holding on to this, like, little nugget, this whole conversation, because I didn't know, like, when was the appropriate time to bring it up. Part of the difficulty with recording podcasts online is you don't get to see, like, people nearby and get body language and whatever. But um, when I was first... All these arguments here... Um, sort of like the same vibe that I was getting when I was uh, first read Reed's article on bullet points uh, earlier this month and I had already pitched my article about Titanfall 2 to all of you before that so I couldn't necessarily change the topic but when I read that article and finished it I closed it and I started writing an entirely different article uh, sort of like in my emotional response to it called in defense of blowing shit the fuck up (laughs) i want to read that yeah um it was originally going to be about titanfall 2 but what it ended up being about was this character and if it's not clear by now that i'm a dragon ball fan i'm a dragon ball fan uh what i what it ended up being about was this character launch from the original dragon ball uh whose whole gimmick is she's this very meek quiet shy like girl but when she sneezes, she turns into, like, a fiery personality, blonde hair, uh, crime-doing, bank-robbing, just unrepentant, like, murderer who pulls a gun out of hammer space and just, like, any difficulty she has, her, pro- her answer to it is to just shoot at them. And she's easily the far more likable version of Launch. And, like, she has these great owns on other characters who are, like, with this dude will sexually harass her when she's in her shy mode and then she'll sneeze and like her response to being sexually harassed will be to pull out a gun and just like shoot the shit out of the person who just harassed her and i think there's like a sense of power to that um especially i don't know for me as a woman like there's a lot of like social engineering for women that like in like tells us to minimize and tells us like not to express when we're upset and like in Mm -hmm. a game when i can just like destroy people in these incredibly violent ways in like very i guess colorful explosive ways like obviously it's a fictionalized setting obviously killing people isn't right 
but like there's this sense of power that it gives me that I can't necessarily get anywhere else that like normally I guess that sort of military power fantasy can be very dangerous but like in Titanfall 2 I don't want to say Titanfall 2 is a feminist masterpiece it's not but like in Titanfall 2 when I was playing it um, I don't know I guess I was sort of in a, a rough state of mind at the point and when I was playing it and like being able to very like dominantly assert myself in this fictional space was sort of a solve for that a little bit or a salve for that a little bit in a way that I don't know that I necessarily would have gotten about a game that would have been more that would have been more ashamed about like its violence I'm not sure if I'm coming across properly here no I I think that's all that is a very good point especially too I think about the idea of I, I was thinking about that in terms of BT as well as as uh as what you can get out of a character that's kind of just cold, logical, just whatever, yeah. kind of puppy doggish, well, and then especially sort of goes feral this at any second. No, I was just gonna say that that transforms from uh, you know this this placid computer into a <laughs> crazy hell beast thing that kills everything around it. Especially you know? this week, there's been a lot of like hand wringing over whether punching bad guys is okay. Um, it is. And I guess, like, Titanfall 2 isn't unique in this approach. You get this in a lot of these games, and it's unfortunately often applied to people of dubious bad guyness, which might also be the case in Titanfall 2. Part of the issue with it not putting a lot of emphasis on its plot is it doesn't really, really characterize its villains. But, like, Titanfall mm -hmm. 2 is a game that, like, unrepentantly lets you punch people who are at least supposed to be bad. They mean they do basically want to Death Star your whole planet with a literal time bomb, as in not a bomb that activates in time, but a bomb that destroys time. <laughs> um, it's also not strapped to a baby. The internet today. I'm not sure I get the reference. That's the the big yeah today's big social media discussion is if there's a time bomb strapped to a baby oh uh, would you would you torture the person I totally to, missed that oh, because I've been yeah, busy it's... working like a responsible no I'm kidding um, <laughs> what is it you got me there but uh, no I'm kidding Patrick no <laughs> uh, but Titanfall two is a game that's like like I said it's very unrepentant about its gaminess it's also very unrepentant in its punchingness and sometimes like especially like when you're someone who is often told to like shut up or be quiet it feels good I to blow things up and Titanfall 2 lets you do that because I think I would have felt all it of almost... this more and I, I do agree with you that it's a it's a wonderful way to um, you know feel uh, I wonder whether I would have felt it more though had the game kind of owned up to it a little bit more. If if the game had made a point of how bad the guys you're killing are, and had the game made more of a point of BT being like scary and yeah, you know, been more sort of honest about the purpose of BT that yeah, it's this fucking mechanical killing machine. Um, I think I would have felt more kind of liberated by the game. I think it is kind of repentant because it wants you to ignore a lot of the violence in a way it sort of it kind of dances around it by having bt be lovable had he been a little bit more just sort of honest about his uh his nature and had the the villains been more easily identifiable as villains if there had been a bit more writing in it um but writing in the in the in the in the direction that i think that we're talking about uh i think the things that you you, you feel from it would have been more 
strongly so, felt. So what I'm That's hearing here is was... that BT should have I... been HK-47. No, I don't either. Yeah, oh hell yeah. I don't get that one. I'm sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> I, for, for our listeners at home, yes, absolutely. HK-47 is the like assassin robot from the Knights of the Old Republic games. And he's also very jocular and very lovable, but like the majority of his humor is he's kind of like low-key talking about how he wants to kill everybody. I think what BT, oh, okay. BT's approach <clears throat> is more of an Optimus Prime-style approach, like right down to his voice, and that he's yeah. sort of like... Uh, you know, friend to the boys and girls, almost like that kind of era of Godzilla. Um, sort of like robot buddy in a very 80s action way, which is also mm-hmm. what I think it, it very clearly harkens back to that, especially with the throwing you across a chasm thing that you were describing earlier, Patrick, which is like actually a trope in like superhero-y or like anime style media called the fastball special, which is like when you throw a teammate mm-hmm. at someone that way. And when I, I saw that, I was like, oh boy, it's the fastball special. But, um, oh God, that's going to be I an think, embarrassing sound. I think that's why I find, I find... <laughs> sorry. I'm going to clip that out. Yeah, but I think it tries uh, I to say, do I that. I don't know if it succeeds BT, with that. Um, Go on, Ed. On the contrary to, to what you were describing, I find BT kind of a leash on my uh, sort of unbridled enjoyment and unbridled kind of domination of the, the game's battles because I'm always conscious of the fact that I'm uh, not exactly supposed to fully embrace the the monster within me or the monster within BT. I'm, I'm meant to be you know um, fucking Hooch from Turner and Hooch or Turner from Turner and Hooch. Um, to, to, to that point Ed, I, I will say that I think that we as critics, you know, we in this room specifically, but also just the critical community in general. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) I think we have kind of trained ourselves to look for kind of moral subtext in shooters specifically. In this example in particular, I'm not entirely sure that it's there or that it was put there by the the directors i will say i don't know that titanfall 2 is supposed to be a game with strong moral leanings one way or the other i don't think that the imc is meant i don't think they're meant to be evil for any other reason than that they're the bad guys i still have a i i get that but i also think that you you can't um i know (laughs) this isn't what you're saying but that also to me seems like i made a family friendly movie about I, I don't know some horrible family friendly movie from white supremacists or something that says it's not political I think a better example would be family like friendly <laughs> movies <laughs> from white supremacists I, I was just trying to think of old Disney okay. <laughs> okay. what I'm thinking of is A New Hope so you have the Empire who is like cartoony evil because they blow up a sure, planet but other I mean, than what, that what? like you don't Other really know than the politics that, of what? the conflict. No, but there, like, there's no, there's no political subtext to the actual conflict. They're just, they're just evil because what? they're evil, and that means it's what? okay when stormtroopers get like thrown off chasms or shot. Or they are called stormtroopers. I don't know. I think like Star Wars, obviously, it doesn't characterize its bad guys enough. But what it does do that Titanfall Two does is it makes these very clear. Uh, I, I mean, it does characterize them a lot in the expanded ner- universe. Push, uh, pushes up glasses. Um, but what Star Wars? I'm right there with you. Don't worry. I'm kidding. But what Star Wars uh, does do to help you feel that it's okay to kill 
the bad guys that Titanfall 2 doesn't do, uh, maybe to its detriment, like Ed was saying, is that Star Wars pulls from a lot of Nazi imagery for the bad I'm guys right. straight down to their names, Stormtroopers. I'm not concerned about right. Titanfall 2 not having a sort of hand-wringing moral message. It doesn't bother me that there's no kind of overarching... Um, uh, like social conflict within the game. I don't want to play that game and come out wondering exactly how I should feel. That's not that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is it's, it's inconsistent. It doesn't commit to this is this is a this is a popcorn game. This is a game that's meant to make you feel, I think, a very certain thing and chase that feeling doggedly. And I think that it doesn't commit enough to a single feeling. It is in conflict with itself. So I think it does maybe two things here. It does too much of a job of characterizing the enemies and then also too much of a job of characterizing uh, in a certain way your two characters so you've got these fun lovable characters doing these uh, violent things to people who the game has gone to quite great pains to make you feel are actual people it's not the, the, the problem isn't that I, I find it like morally repugnant or, or anything like that I just find it inconsistent I'd rather play a game which, to a greater extent than Titanfall 2, uh, has a kind of conviction in the fact that you're killing, you know, quote, stormtroopers. I think that's one thing that you're, you're right about with Star Wars, is that it doesn't, it's not in conflict. It doesn't bother to, to debate whether or not this is, this is right and fair. Whereas Titanfall 2, although it doesn't enter into that debate knowingly, it uh, kind of forces you to have that debate in your own mind, because these people, as Michelle pointed out earlier on, move and talk so much like people more than we're used to in a video game and at the same time you're these uh kind of jocular amiable two friends who don't talk about this whatsoever like they never even have a discussion about what they're doing it reminds me of for example like half-life when mm. um you're standing in a room full of people who are talking to you and you're literally not saying anything back and there's a there's an inconsistency there. There's like a there's a lack of commitment either way. You can't have like a narrative game, call it a narrative game, if your character can't speak to people. I don't think you can have uh, a kind of committed, we're gonna make you excited, we're gonna make you feel powerful action game. And then also either through kind of like sloppiness or through um, not really considering whether the consistency is there, force people to have this internal debate about killing in their head. I'd rather Titanfall 2, either kind of de-characterized the enemies, like made them move more mechanically or made them robots or gave BT and Cooper a sort of moment where they kind of admit to each other, yeah, we're killing these guys and it's fine because they're evil and we don't mind and, you know, made them a little bit kind of just more upfront and honest and again, consistent. Consistent is the word. I think the game is just totally inconsistent in how it wants you to feel uh, and not on purpose. I should oh, go on. I should point out that earlier when I was talking about the animation thing, I, I may have shot myself in the foot a little bit as someone who likes this game by talking about like movement animations. Um, and I think it's valid that we we've been discussing that and it's fine and I'm glad that I brought it up that way because it led that way. But what I meant to say is it's just like one example uh, mm -hmm. is, is the way the characters move. Uh, that's one example, I guess, of the sort of attention to detail that Respawn has put into this game. Um, but the point I wasn't—I was trying to make there wasn't that. Oh man, the guys move like real people. It's that like when—I <clears throat> don't want to say when other studios, but like 
it would have been possible. It would have just sufficed to like, let's assume instead of it's the way a character moves, it's the way someone picks up a coffee cup. It would suffice. It would get the idea across. Uh, if you wanted to animate that, it's just like someone moves their arm down vertically, picks up the coffee cup, um, and there you've demonstrated that the guy has the coffee cup in their hand. But like what I think Titanfall 2's equivalent to that is instead of just like someone moving a straight line down to an object and picking an object up is instead like someone takes their shoulder like uh, I, I guess puts their pinky out <laughs> no not puts their pinky out but like the way someone moves their shoulder you can see like the specific joint that's being moved they like reach out with their elbow instead of just like moving their whole arm as a unit I guess like the way I guess respawn and before it was respawn infinity ward uh sort of puts uh details into the game where that you can recognize it's them as opposed to an invisible director is they look at these sort of like uh moments and it can be character moving it can be with completely inanimate objects but they look at these sort of moments where like other studios might have been like all right that gets the job done move to something else to say like how can we like put effort into this like tiny little thing how can we like uh put character into it in a way that maybe another artist wouldn't have even thought of that i don't know if i'm making sense here um that is almost sort of like the blizzard level of polish that i was talking about earlier so i don't know if that's entirely a good thing but like the what i want to make clear and i'm taking a long time here for a digression i'm sorry uh but like what i'm going to make clear is that like yes the people do move like real people but the sort of thing I was talking about there wasn't necessarily that, but extends beyond that to a sort of um, there's care in the in the world building there that not every well, the, the product artist of that care, might I think, think is to that put you in. Recognize the world as as a, a, a more plausible mm-hmm. looking world, and so when you shoot at it and kill the people who have picked up a coffee cup so plausibly, uh, it creates a, an internal conflict that I don't think the game is prepared for or, or wants you to have oh sure oh sure everything See, that we've been discussing is is totally like fine and valid and again i'm glad i brought it up i guess i just wanted to clarify myself a little bit because i can get retentive about that sorry listeners no at home. that that makes sense but it it makes me think too about maybe this is is one of the underlying points of a lot of what we're talking about too is um a lot of times in video games there's a, a chase for or, or uh, pursuit of fidelity and uh, believability and uh, I, I think fidelity in terms of all, all sorts of things you want to have more voice acting that is that is well acted so maybe if you see an opportunity to have two soldiers standing somewhere instead of them just kind of patrolling around you take the opportunity for them to say a few things to each other um, maybe when you shoot someone in a leg uh they you know they they uh blood flies out of their leg instead of them just you know flinching um but sometimes i think that pursuit of fidelity in video games is is mm-hmm. not thought through as to what the effect is and so in something like a titanfall you say let's make these characters more believable let's make them you know if you shoot mm-hmm. one of them with a shotgun there's going to be a big fuck off blood stain behind them on the wall um, and, and I think about these things as they are 
they're what you're seeing constantly. They're what the story... The story is part of this, no matter what you do. You don't write a book and not think about what the words in each sentence are conveying, how they're making the reader feel. And I don't think you can make a video game and not have these minor details affect how things go. So if you want to have sort of a carefree adventure story, you have to take the, you know, Indiana Jones, or I guess some people get shot directly in Indiana Jones, but yeah, I think of old Bond movies where there are just sparks flying uh, when mm-hmm. there are gunfights. Because the idea is you don't want... You don't want to see... It's it's different mm-hmm. than you know, fuck, Daniel Craig strangling a dude to death. <laughs> you know, watching his leg twitch as he dies. Um, that That's that's a purpose. Seeing someone get shot and bleed is a purpose. You were saying something with that violence. Uh, and I think this game has, you know, the the unthinking fidelity that it maybe doesn't need to be what it is. And then you get this, this dissonance, this, uh, that I think Patrick said right at the beginning that I really agree with. There's this sort of yeah, discord I, that this game has where you feel strange about everything. Even if it doesn't want I, I you to think, think about so it, right. you end and up when, thinking when about it. When you said, you know, that they, um, pursue, pursue fidelity and kind of verisimilitude without necessarily thinking about what that means beyond, uh, you know, a plaudible technical spectacle. I think that that could not be truer um, than about Titanfall 2. It's, it's a game that sort of doesn't need to be, or, or shouldn't be, or feels jarring because it's as sort of uh, real looking as it is. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if that's the. <laughs> I feel I feel like so much of the tenor of this episode has been really negative though and I don't know if maybe that's just but that's, resp- that's the weird thing is I have all of these thoughts about the game but I still really fucking liked playing it I okay can we talk about this now like the the way to what, the, g- two the plays. good stuff yeah yeah all right yeah so just to <laughs> we like talk about because like I was just trying to say like it's we, we've said so much and maybe it's important to grapple with because this game's had so much universal praise about what doesn't quite work about it, but there are well, let's, you know, there let's are, say we've got uh, two parts, or three elements left. of this game that so I think are fantastic. Let's cram in some positives. Yeah, we're we're running over time already. Oh so let's, god. Let's, let's try and <laughs> let's try and round table some positivity oh, no. towards Titan Four Two. I, I I will I will stay out of it. I have got things I like about the game, but I'll, I want to hear from uh, from everyone else, particularly Michelle. What what did you like about it? Alright, so I'm a huge fan of um, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, and I think uh-huh. Titanfall 2 hits on... <laughs> Reed knows. I think Titanfall 2 hits on a lot of the same uh, rhythms in the way that you move, um, and in the way that you sort of pull off move, even basic movements with just like the most flashy way possible. Um, it picks up on a lot of the same... Uh, type of, of things that you might get in a really good character action game but just happens to be applied to a shooter and that's a, a blend that I haven't seen a lot um, especially as someone who and I apologize but someone who like never really played Quake or something like that um, and as I was playing with Titanfall 2 I'm like wow this is a very smart combination and I think it works um, like Doom 2016 a lot of the things that people the one big, not the one, one of the big things that people liked about that game was its mobility, and I think Titanfall 2 has all of the mobility that was in Doom, plus like a whole bunch more on top of that 
for like a player like me. I agree very strongly. Who very much enjoys uh, mastery and very much getting to like spend some time with a system that may be initially frustrating until it clicks. I think Titanfall 2 hits that button really well. It is definitely a game that is easy and rewarding to quote feel good at. Mm -hmm. Like the way you see Titanfall 2 like I don't want I don't really think there's a pro community for Titanfall 2 unfortunately but like when you see high level Titanfall 2 multiplayer gameplay the way they move in that game there's like such a skill to it and like so so many like advanced techniques that you can pull off that it almost sort of uh resembles Smash Brothers or another game like that where like the the pros are just like Marveling in you, the way you see the things that they can do, and that's not something I've seen a ton in a shooter before. Which is also very smart because the first cutscene you see in the game is basically Cooper talking about how badass pilots are, um, like a voiceover over top of this like kind of balletic battle scene where a pilot is doing exactly all of these things. Um, so it sets the stage for that really easily. So like, here's what you can be, and then the entire rest of the game is you getting to be that thing. I just wish they had done that opening video differently. That thing's so corny. With Which like, one? It's like, it's like live action, and it's like, you know, a pilot is a fucking ghost in the jungle. Oh god, I almost <laughs> forgot about that. To me, ground. to me, where the I game starts... I forgot about it until I replayed it. It's like when you're in like, the oh, little no. tutorial, like, virtual world zone, yeah. where you've got this uh, just, like, generic Call of Duty-looking soldier, who's also just, like, a hologram ghost. And I think that's a pretty yeah. good, like, summation of, like, what I like about this game in general, is you go in looking at it and you're like, alright, it's just gonna be another military shooter, and then it's like, surprise! We actually get really crazy sci-fi anime on you. <laughs> yeah, I, what I would say in, in terms of if you know things that I think this game that does that does make it special, the, the things that we maybe haven't talked as much about about why I don't write this game off, why I, I still think it's noteworthy are um, I think Michelle got it really right with saying that it has sort of that uh, you know like a Metal Gear Rising or or um, Bayonetta or Devil May Cry or something the. Uh, the feel of you're your fighting as you're navigating space uh, at the same time. It's sort of uh, it's supposed to make you kind of feel cool, and it's supposed to blend uh, not not just figuring out how to make all the buttons do the best shooting or punching or kicking, but um, to to explore space at the same time. I think is uh, you can't discount that. That's a really cool thing that they managed to pull off. Um, uh, to and also bring sort of the old style of shooter where you're jumping around and ripping around at these huge speeds to bring that into something that kind of feels like a Call of Duty that has that uh, that kind of uh, sharpness to it, the quickness of, of the firing and everything. Um, I think that stuff's really cool. Uh, for me, the big thing is how they how they um, manage to marry that with the design of these levels. Uh, that to me is is sort of what sticks out from this game are things like Ed mentioned that that part at the end where you're on these uh, it's a bunch of gunships and and little fighter ships that are flying around and you spend the entire sequence jumping between them and it's all just sort of going this entire time and you're running along the sides of these uh, troop carriers and everything uh, and and moments like that in in this game it's it's not just you watching something 
really interesting happen. Uh, there are things like that and that time travel section and that I think of it as like giant IKEA manufacturing warehouse where it's these platforms with like prefab homes and everything mm-hmm. on them. Uh, stuff like that I think is really, really strong. Um, they seem to have kind of thought about how you uh, take spectacle in an action game and, and make it something that you're kind of existing inside instead of riding. And, and I think that stuff is, is super cool right. and really well done. When I first got introduced to this game, it was actually like at a press event where I got like a 30-minute one-on-one with uh, Vince Zampella. And like he kept selling it to me. It's just like, oh, it's not just shooting. It's also like puzzles and platforming. And like, but that's very like standard like yeah. talk for a, a big game company to do. It's just like... It's like basically the equivalent of like, well, every shooter has like turret sections for breaks yeah. in the combat or whatever. I went in. You can drive a jeep. I went in suspicious uh, of all that talk because it was all talk that I've heard before, and it's all talk that like I, I don't really like to do when I write a review. Um, but like I went in suspicious. But then as I played the game, I was like, God damn, there really are puzzles and platforming sections in this game, and they're actually pretty good. Anyone else with any? Mm-hmm. Any yeah. final thoughts, Patrick? Um, I mean, are you eating on top of everything that we're eating saying, on the podcast? Um, it's a t- yeah, it's a carrot. It's a look, yeah, I need horse. water. I need water. I had carrots on hand. I'm probably <laughs> falling. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. Patrick has. I don't know if he should be a horse, yeah, given yeah, how this what? podcast Thank you, began. You brought us full circle. That oh was yeah, that mm, is that is mm, textbook mm. podcast stuff. To be fair, Patrick, <laughs> you're eating. I, I, I think I've just realised I've been recording this whole podcast without any shoes or socks on. So I've, just, I've been sitting here barefoot. Um, well, see, yeah, none of us is perfect. None of us is perfect. Well, I joined I, this I'm... podcast with shoes on. But then my I'm heater actually... turned on halfway through, and I had to take them off. Yeah, I'm bleeding from the neck. Obviously. Oh no! <laughs> it's like a, it's like a Monty Python sketch. I've just been like holding my hand over it this entire time. Reed's supremely dedicated to Titanfall 2, well, more so right. than me, who actually liked on the that. game. <laughs> I liked it well enough. I I think it's I think it's a fine fine game. I think it is a very interesting game to talk about for all of the reasons. I think so. I discussed. wish we had more time to talk about it cuz I kind of mm-hmm. want to go back and talk about whether or not they deal with the killing well more, but well, I'm glad we'll that we got in all that stuff about the mobility in cuz that's something I really wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, well, it's full of swearing. Stay tuned for the after hours Titanfall yeah, we'll put read on the <laughs> Did we not swear this I whole think time? We, I think <laughs> the most the in most new you will ever we, find we, on we a podcast. We go out of our way to swear, so it's not like you know. Welcome to bullet points. Right, We're doing Titanfall Four Two. It's fucking welcome to fucking bullet points. We're doing that fucking Titanfall Two shit this week, you <laughs> bastards. Um. So on that note, uh, <laughs> that will that will conclude our debate on Titanfall Two. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about if they ever release Titanfall Three, which may or may not happen uh until then i hope so that release date titanfall 2 uh colon the worst release date in the world (laughs) it's like the subtitle for the game titanfall 2 and the worst release date in the world harry potter when was it released 
Uh, in yeah. between Battlefield yeah, One and exactly. Call they, of they Duty and Infinite Warfare. With that one. Oh, why? Um, yeah, so I, I I don't know how it fared at the on the shelves. I don't think it did particularly well, as I remember reading. But um, we'll have to see. They might do a third one. They mightn't. Uh, but until then, Michelle, thank you for joining us. Uh, if people wanted to read or hear more from you, where could thank they find you. that stuff? Uh, people can see more from me on uh, Twitter. Uh, my profile's name is at Shell Earhart, uh, which is just my name with the MI cut off at the beginning. Um, they can read a lot of my old articles at Killscreen. And if they want to search, they can see pre-kill screen articles that I don't necessarily want to point them towards. But, uh, <laughs> what is there? Um, and they might be able to see more from me at other sites soon, but I don't want to give away the, uh, the hen before it's out of the house. Yeah. Is, if that's how that idiot right, works. So Patrick, Save that for you? DLC. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, at HanFreakinSolo. Um... My Twitter feed's a bit of a mess these days, so enter at your own risk. Um, but everything I write is I filtered through there, so that's the probably the best place read. to keep track. Yeah. It's a fun... By mess, you mean fun, right? Because it's really fun. Uh, but also <laughs> one relentless news story after another. Reed, are you, are you posting news stories on your Twitter? <laughs> Yeah, at at readmccarter.com is uh, immaculate, actually. It's just pictures of rainbows. Um, I don't know. I don't have a joke. Yeah. I just started thinking about fucking news, and every day's been last than the worst. Yeah. Last than the worst. It's been worse than the last every fucking day. Ed Smith, <laughs> on brand so, as ever, ending us on a so dour note. It's so bad that Reed <laughs> forgot grammar. That's right. I started reversing words. Well, <laughs> so. Yeah. Down and out uh, here. Yeah, that my energy's just suddenly gone through the floor all of a sudden. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at most sincerely. Uh, it's 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 available now, um, and you can follow this podcast just on its own on Twitter if you don't want to hear from any of its presenters. You can go to at Bullet Points VG where we also post the articles from our sister site, BulletPointsMonthly.com, where we take a single game and dedicate an entire month of articles to it. We've just finished up with Titanfall 2. We are now going to do a Resident Evil 7. Uh, you can also donate some money to us because uh, as I've pointed out on Twitter a, a, a few times, I record this show by taking the microphone that I got with Beatles Rock Band and putting it inside an empty pint glass. So it's quite it's quite, <laughs> you know, lo-fi slash miserable and if we had a little bit more <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a microphone. <laughs> Is that actually actually I'm true? Inside, and it's inside a <laughs> pine glass uh, balanced on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm actually I'm in a helicopter right now. <laughs> above, hovering above Dubai, that giant hotel. I'm boring. I'm just uh, using I, like I a. Feel a little bad now. I'm just using a Logitech headset that I use to yell at people in Overwatch. Well, the, f the funny thing is is that Ed is actually uh, American, <laughs> and this is his attempt at a Beatles accent every every podcast episode. <laughs> he's, I he's, like off, he's off geographically a little right bit, country. but he's, 
he's looking at that Beatles rock band and trying his best. Before we end the recording, I just want to like point this out earlier. Um, while we're talking about mm. nationalities, you called Reed a traitor to the crown, uh, but left the two Americans in the room entirely alone. Like, at least yeah, Reed a, is still part of the Commonwealth. Yeah, that's because a greater that's insult. Like, <laughs> we had a violent revolution. Even, you know, so not, not even like use the right words or have your own national anthem <laughs> and your own currency. It's a smack in the face. Um, Loonies and toonies. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to strip you of your peerage. <laughs> Why does every British person I know hate Canadians? I just, uh... <laughs> no, I just, I just like to find <laughs> reasons to, um... To, like, reasons. You're just... You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, go, go play hockey. Yeah, it's fine. Hockey boy. Yeah. Americans love Canadians. We love you, Reed. You can say. come down here anytime. Although I don't know if that's wise yeah, sure, at the I'm moment. I'm sure. I'm sure Reed is chomping at the bit to cross yeah, the no. border into America. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna move further north. Actually, <laughs> I hear Ikaluit is nice this time of year. Yeah, I want the midpoint between Russia and America. Is is where I'm aiming for right now. On that bombshell, uh, I think that's uh, Canada. We will. On that bombshell, our, we will disembark from our conversation about Titanfall. Um, thank you again, Michelle, for joining us. Hey. And, uh, yeah, we will... Thank you for having me. Another episode.